Welcome to another message from Ron Heitman, lead pastor at Evangel Church. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc. I do pray God's richest blessing on each mom today. And we pick up in our second week of our series entitled Margin. Last week we kicked off our series by just simply defining margin and understanding what it is and the fact that the margin that we talked about is the amount of available beyond what is necessary. Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. We had a lot of statements that we shared last week in our message, but I believe one of the key things that I I wanted to really grab your hearts last week, and I remind some of you maybe that couldn't be here with us last Sunday, this statement. If Satan, our spiritual enemy, cannot make us really, really bad, he will try to make us really, really busy. How many of you know that's true? Because if he can get us off focus on why we're on this planet by keeping us busy with crazy schedules without margin in our lives, he knows we'll be distracted. We become so busy at doing lesser things, we miss out on the most important things, and we become distracted from the very best in our lives. When margin decreases, stress increases. And we all know that's so true because when we feel pressured and we feel like everything is shrinking down and we don't have the time that we need to get everything done, the stress level begins to boil. As your margin decreases, we also talked about the reality that so does your relational intimacy decrease, not only with the people you love, but it decreases with God. And so we had a challenge last week. I don't know how many of you did, but I intentionally, every day, even though I had my own time with the Lord and time with my family, each day specifically, I tried to respond to my own challenge that I gave to each of you, that I would take five minutes out of each day and simply rest before the Lord. Just to rest. I hope you tried that. I hope many of you said, I'm going to do that. And I hope that you see the importance of understanding how we need margin in our lives. Let's take a look at a a real quick video to help us see what we're up against in this fight for margin in all of our lives. Take a look. So, if you've ever told someone how busy you are and it's really a boast hidden as a complaint. If you can't remember the last time you broke a sweat. If the idea of being alone sends you into panic mode. If you make too many commitments that you can't keep. If your to-do list involves all things you've made up. If your meals are spent in front of your computer, then you're trapped. How many of you ever made a post-it note for one thing, and then all of a sudden you post a note a second thing, and before you know it, you had stacks of post-it notes attached to each other? Because there's so much to do and so little time to do it. The big idea that we want to really get across this this week as we talk about scheduling margin. How do we literally schedule margin is this idea. The greatest question we can ask ourselves in scheduling margin in our lives is this simple question. Is it wise? The greatest step to scheduling margins is saying no to good things so we can say yes to the best things. So how in the world do you schedule wisely? 
How do you say no? And how do you keep to the, the best things in your life by saying no to even good things? We talked about some questions last week, and I'll reiterate maybe some questions this week that were similar to last week. How many of you would say, this, this relates to me enough that you'd raise your hands? I would love a little bit more time for myself. How many would say, that's me, I could, I could enjoy a little more time for myself. I'd like a little bit more rest. I'd like a little more time to relax a little bit. If I just had a little more time, that would be awesome. I would love to spend time with the people that I love. How many would raise your hand to say that? Hey, if you're sitting next to your mom, you better be raising your hand or you're going to get smacked any second now, okay? All right. How many of you would be honest and say, I would love to spend more time with God? You better raise your hand because he can make a greasy spot out of you in your little chair that you're sitting in right now, okay? Better be thinking this morning. Better be thinking. In reality, most of us would love to have more time to invest in the important, best things in life. But if the truth were known, if God in his supernatural, miraculous way would take a 24-hour day and say, from now on, it's going to be 25 hours, most of us would still fail in that extra hour in spending it in the times and with the people that we really want to spend the best of our lives with. Because we get in a place where we live without margin. You see, the reality is culture has a way of overwhelming whatever margin we have. No matter what we tried, no matter, I got up a half hour earlier this morning and I still felt like I was about five minutes late. Because no matter whatever margin we try to create for our lives, sometimes it just gobbles it up. Life has its way of doing that. If you just look at the last time you had maybe a day off and it was kind of unexpected, chances are you probably didn't get to do all the things that you wanted to relax and do, but you was filled up with extra errands and responsibility and you caught up on chores. Chances are there are many things that felt urgent to you that just simply overwhelmed what you say is really, truly important. It's just that kind of life we live. Let me illustrate it for you with an image or a picture. Here's a picture, I think, here on the screen of a car, okay? Uh, this is not my car, okay? I just want you to know that. As a matter of fact, I might be able to get in this car, but I'd probably never be able to get out of this car, okay? That's the truth. But this car is sitting up on a rack because it needs an alignment. How many have ever had to get your car aligned? Because for whatever reason, when your tires are out of alignment, when you're driving down the road, you can feel the wheel pull in a certain way because the tires are out of alignment. And so it pulls to a certain direction. If you're brave like me sometimes, I just take my hands off the wheel just to check my wheel alignment, just to see how well it's sturdy. And it, you'll feel the pull, and it's time for a wheel alignment. I think our lives are similar to that. It's like as if we're out of alignment by nature to God. By nature, what are we? We are sinners. And the pull is not towards God, but the pull is away from God. Right? How many of you agree with that? That's our nature is unfortunately not 
a pull to the, the center point of the Lord. In reality, culture pulls us off center into a marginless lifestyle. In scheduling life, margin would be simpler to understand maybe in the sense that we would just have extra time. It would be as if we would have time for someone who is in need without getting all messed up over it. Oh, how, how do I have time to help this person out? I have so many other things I need to do. Margin would be taking time to really, really listen to your kid. Listening to your children rather than trying to do two things at once and multitask and be proud of that, but rather, no, set that thing aside and quit multitasking and really, really listen to someone you love. Margins would be having time to be interrupted and enjoying it. Now that's an oxymoron, isn't it? To have interruptions in your life and thinking about it and thinking afterwards, you know what? That was great. That was a good thing in my life. Rather than resenting the interruptions that we so often do. And if you study the life of Jesus, he had interruptions all the time. And he made the most of them. Because he lived with margin in his life. Margin would be having time to rest and relax and to reflect Margin is having a great amount of time with the people that you love, and it's about plenty of quality time with the creator, the sustainer of the universe and of our lives, time with God. Margin, unfortunately for most of us, is, very, is the very little thing that we don't have much of. Today, I want to look at a text from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, great. If you pull up an iPad or your phone or whatever, turn to this scripture and highlight some, some words in this passage as we look at just a couple of verses. This is what it says. Be what? Very what? Careful. Say it again. Careful. Be very careful. An emphatic word there, be very careful then how you live. Listen to me. As believers, there should be something different about followers of Christ and the way we live than those who are not followers of Christ. Does anybody agree with me in the house of God today? We should be living differently. So be careful, very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as, what's it say? Wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you see the emphatic purpose of Paul's statement when he says, be very careful? Because if you're not very careful, you need to understand that there is a pull away a pull away from the important things, most of all God, but also anything that God says is an important thing in your life. There is this pull away to do lesser things, lesser important things in this world. We need to not only be careful, but we need to fight against it. Fight against this pull of culture. The default stance of living in this world is not wisdom. It is foolishness. We typically, in our culture, due to the nature of our sin, we do foolish things rather than wise things. So the scripture is 
compelling today to say, be wise, not foolish. Be careful how you live. Listen to these. Be careful how you plan. Be careful what you say yes to. Be careful what you say no to. Be very, very careful to fight against the pull of this culture. Because the verse goes on to say, making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? Evil. There's very little in this culture that has any redeeming purpose to it outside of God. It's evil. The culture is going to pull you off center. So be careful or the culture will drag you away from the things that matter most into a marginless and meaningless lifestyle. A lifestyle that's meaningless. Andy Stanley wrote this book that was entitled The Best Question Ever. It captures the essence of the book, and it it really tells us how we should go about our scheduling. He asked this question, what is the best question ever? And I'll tell you that one here in just a minute, reiterate it. But let's illustrate from something from any day that could be a day in any of our lives that happens to us all the time. For example, if I come up to you and say, hey, can you do this on Saturday? Chances are most of you would say, well, let me check to see if I'm free. How many of you, that's a typical response, that when somebody asks you just a common thing, hey, you want to do this or can you do this with me? Uh, All of a sudden you're like, well, let me check to see if I'm free. And so you take a look. If you're free, then you feel like then we can do it or I can do it. And I want you to know I'm the first one to raise my hand to say I'm guilty and I'm totally convicted this morning of knowing I do this all the time. Because the most of us in this place typically want to make people like us and we want to be pleasing uh, people around us and, and love people around us. And so we literally think of that question, am I free? It's not a bad question to ask, but it's not the best question. Or you might ask this question, and this isn't a bad question either. Is this a right thing or this a wrong thing to do? And I think that's a, a good question to ask when somebody asks you to do something. Is, this, is there anything wrong about me doing this? But again, it's not the best question to ask. A better question to ask when it comes to our scheduling is not simply is it right or wrong or is the time frame free in my schedule, but a better question is to ask, is it wise? Is it wise for me to do this? In your notes today in your program, there was a a little sheet there to help you follow along in the message day, and in that, I have a little blank line section in it that simply is for you to fill in whatever you think is important. In light of what anybody asks you to do, then you fill in what is important in your life and then simply ask the question, is it wise? And I would encourage you when you're making decisions about your schedule to fill in that blank with whatever's important right now. It could be this. In light of our dreams and our goals and our future hopes, is adding this to the schedule wise. It could be in light of the fact that our marriage is not where God wants it to be at this time, so is it wise for us to place this in our schedule? It could be 
We have two children in diapers right now. Is this really wise? How many of your mom knows exactly what I'm talking about? Or you could be kind of like what Tamara and I are getting close to. We're thinking, man, we've got a 17-year-old now. Do we want to do anything that would take us away from more time from our, our kid that's getting ready to go off to college? Those are real things in all of our lives that we have to ask Is this important? And in thinking of that in what is most important in our life, is this a wise thing to add? The reality is the scripture tells us that our days are numbered. In James chapter 4 verse 10 it says, your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Now, In light of the fact that life is precious and short and that every day is a gift from God, is it wise that we invest our time in this? Is it wise? That's the question to help you schedule margin in your life. Not only is it right or is it wrong or not that we can do it, but is it wise? Be very careful then. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of these opportunities that are passing by every single day, and somebody wants you to be a part of something. What is wise? What I want you to do now is to answer this question, how do we schedule wisely? Because I'd argue that most of us are scheduling foolishly rather than wisely. I'll give you just one very simple statement before we... uh, We do anything else, it's just this. The answer to the question on how do you schedule wisely is this. You must learn and you must have the courageous faith to say no to many good things so that you can say yes to the better things. Just say no. How how hard is that? Could we just say that together? No. So some of you are like still struggling. <laughs> How can I? No, I? Which do you have trouble with? The N or the letter O? Which is the hard part of that? So help me out. What are we going to say? We're going to say no to the many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Because too many good things become the enemy of the best thing. Jim Collins wrote a great book, Good to Great, and he says that the enemy of great is good. And that's the truth in our schedule. Sometimes we need to say no to those good things so we can hold on to the great things. Last week we talked about Romans chapter 12. Let me remind you uh, one more time this week. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Quit scheduling like the world schedules. Quit living without margin. Quit conforming to the world. To this pull of the culture away from what God wants in your life. But be different. goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to change. Renewing of your mind. We have to change the way we think. I have to. I have to change. Don't think like everyone else. Don't be pulled like everyone else, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to prove that perfect, perfect will of God that's good and pleasing to the Lord. 
Call me crazy, but I don't want to be normal. I don't want my family to be normal. I don't want us to live in the default mode of foolishness like the world. You see, the closer I am towards God, the more different I am to the culture. Should I say that again? Because I heard at least three amens, but there should have been like hundreds of amens right then. The closer I am toward God, the more different I am to the culture. See, the closer we are to the heartbeat of God, the more different we live and invest our time differently so that so many other people that are so important to our lives have that intimacy that God wants us to have. Listen, listen to me. Normal is not working. Normal is not working in our world. What is normal? Well, I'll give you this example. In in marriage, normal now is divorce. Sometimes two divorces. Sometimes three divorces in marriages. What's normal with kids? Rebellion. It's it's totally expected that kids are going to do some stuff that they want to do and rebel against the norm. What is normal relationally? Emptiness. When it comes to scheduling, what is normal? Being overwhelmed, being overworked, being frenzied, being stressed, being miserable, being busy, and yet being empty. That's what our culture is demonstrating to us that that's normal. And I don't want to be normal. You know what the most normal question now that I typically ask and hear a response to, I, I, a lot of times I'll call one of my buddies or I'll ask one of you, say, how's it going? And what do I hear so often? Oh man, it is so crazy busy. And you know what's so hypocritical about that is I hear myself saying that when somebody asks me, so hey Ron, how's it going? Oh man, it's going busy. See, because we've embraced normal. We've embraced what the culture will do to pull us off center. We've got to get aligned once again. We have to understand, listen to these statements. Busyness does not equal productivity. It doesn't guarantee productivity. It doesn't guarantee productivity. I respect good workers. But every person that's a a manager of other people, any person in this place that's a leader among others, anybody that's an owner of a business knows you've had people that look busy, but they're not being productive. Like, man, they're doing, they're going crazy, but what have they done? What have they done that's substantial? That's our culture today. We have to be busy. Productivity is a hope. Then the other statement is, busyness does not equal importance. And busyness does not equal meaning. So often people think if they stay busy, it makes them more important. And if they stay busy, it brings meaning to their life. This is a lie. In fact, I'd argue that so many people are being robbed from a life of meaning, not because they're not committed, but because they're overcommitted. That's good preaching. For a middle-aged, bald guy, that's not bad stuff, okay? I, I, I got to confess that. We're being robbed from a life of meaning, not because we're 
not committed, but we're overcommitted. No margin. No margin to our schedule. We say yes too many times because, oh yeah, I'm free. That's what I want to challenge you. I want to dare you. I beg you today to have the courage and faith to say no to what others say yes to so that you can say yes to the best in your life. Just because you do something does not mean that you should do something. You'll get that about two hours from now, okay. Let me just be transparent because I would consider myself a person that has a, a crazy schedule sometimes. Part of my problem is Somebody asks me to do something, and I say to them, how can I say no to them? Moms. Moms. Let's talk to moms a little bit on Mother's Day. How can I say no to them? No. Here, here it is. You put your tongue at the roof of your mouth. You, you, you kind of, your tongue's right behind the front of your teeth, and you open your mouth, and all, it all of a sudden comes out, no. And then you shut your mouth. You don't have to say anything else. You know why? Because no is a complete sentence. You don't have to say anything else. Just no. You're choosing the best that God wants you to have sometimes when you say No. This picture is for every mom in the place. If someone asks you to do something that's not going to be the best use of your time, say no. Say no. Let's think of some more practical things just in our households. Some of you have very nice homes that you keep spotless clean. And you go so crazy at keeping it so spotless clean, nobody can live in your house. Tamara keeps a very lovely home. But I promise you, you come to our house and you'll sense a warmth because our house is lived in. Some of you with young little kids, it's not wrong to have to step over a toy every once in a while. It's okay. It's okay, because I would rather you have fun with your kids and love your spouse than be in my office in a few months because you're having marital problems because you can't margin your time with the best things of your life. The best things of your life. Kids, you're going to hate me, so I'm just going to apologize right now, okay? I'm sorry that I'm destroying your world. But it would be good for families to do something intentionally not the norm. Something crazy. Something totally weird. And just say, okay, with technology everywhere in the normal world, we're going to say no to all technology a couple days out of the week. Technology's everywhere. I told you you'd hate me, young people, so it's, it's just reality. Someone is Facebooking. Someone's writing a blog. Somebody's Twittering. Somebody's on an iPad, and that's the two-year-old, okay? Uh, someone's playing Club Penguin or Webkins 
or the we. Somebody's playing Candy Crush. Somebody's listening to their iPod or watching TV. So why not make an absolute crazy, abnormal decision in your family to say on these nights of the week, no technology? No TV, no, no Farmville, no asking people to buy cows from you or, or you wanting to buy a cow. No emailing that night, no Xbox One, no PlayStation 4. You know, you may have a kid secretly working against you to lead a rebellion or coup. Uh, they may have a hostile takeover if you do something like that. It may be your husband or wife. You may have to sleep with one eye open for a while. But you know what will eventually happen? You'll start to detox from the addiction of isolating technologies. Think about what I just said. You'll detox from addictions that are caused from isolating technologies. There's a video right now that's going around Facebook that it's kind of like a poem uh, about a, a guy sharing a poem. It's quite lengthy, actually, about all the technology and how it's robbing people from the things that are important to them. You know what will happen? All of a sudden, you'll rediscover how to play board games. You'll learn as a family how to put a puzzle together with your spouse You'll learn all of a sudden how to do something fun like read a book to your kid. You'll learn how to tell stories, the art of storytelling, what's happened that's funny and laugh till you laugh so hard that you're rolling on the floor. You'll learn to get up on the beds again and jump up and down and play a while. Throw pillows at each other. Wrestle and have the whole family involved because... You said no. Said no to not necessarily bad things, but you've said yes to the best things. Anybody agree with that? Okay, just checking. Speaking of technology, since you got got me off on that, okay, uh, article in USA Today says that the average American spends 28 hours a week watching TV. That's three days of work. More than three days of work, watching TV. Three productive work days, watching television. <laughs> That's old-fashioned preaching right there, okay? Television. <laughs> if you think about that for a minute, if you're the average American, if you're the normal American, by the time you reach your mid-70s, you'll spend over 10 years Numbing yourself watching television in front of a box. Is it wise? That's what I'm asking you today. Is it wise? Normal? Yes. Wise? No. Be very careful. Be very careful. It's what the scripture challenges. You have time for what you choose to have time for. So don't let me hear anybody ever say to me, if I only had more time. 
If you ever hear me say that, just say, Pastor, you told me never to allow you to say that because I choose how I use my time. There's two incredibly phenomenal things that we always give up. It's, it's the most crucial things to our success in life on this earth, but we're the, we're the fastest to give these two things away. The first one that misses that matters is our intimate time with God. We need intimate and consistent time realigning daily with God because by nature, our hearts are out of alignment. Listen to me. I, don't, I was thinking about this today when you were reading that verse of Scripture just a moment ago powerful verse that we read last week, and I'll I'll mention it again here in just a second. But you know what? It hit me. I don't have a routine in the morning. Because my time with God is not a routine. It's not a routine. It is a rhythm. It is a rhythm. And there's, if you know anything about music and rhythm, there are days that the rhythm is pounding. And then there's other days the rhythm is really soft. There's nothing routine about it. It's a rhythm of saying, this is the most important thing. This is the wisest thing I can do with my schedule. So to schedule margin for the rest of my day, I take time to spend the most important part with God. We align ourselves with the word of God, with his truth and his presence. Scripture says in Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, we, got, we have it messed up. We try to give God the leftovers. If we would give God the very first and the foremost, if we'd seek God first, everything else would be taken care of. Some of you say, yeah, I know, Pastor, you're the preacher, and you're supposed to have all this extra time to spend time with God all the time. The reality is, you and I don't have time not to spend time with God. You and I can't afford not to spend time with God. Uversion is a great tool, a practical tool to help you seek the Lord first as you schedule margin in your life. Inside your program today, in those notes, I uh, made sure we put a QR code for you to literally to be able to link to a tutorial to help you learn how to use that because some of you need that to go deeper in, the, in your walk with the Lord. Here's another practical example. For, for those of you, I guarantee you some of you use your financial margin to help build schedule margin in your life. I don't doubt if I ask today, and I won't because it doesn't matter that much, but I guarantee you some of you have chosen to hire someone to mow your grass this summer. That is a way of using financial margin to help provide schedule margin in your life. That's not wrong to do when you're doing things right in your financial margin. Okay, that's perfectly okay. And then, guys, it's not wrong to help your wives when you come home. You have some time to be able to invest in your family. And it's not wrong to be able to either work yourself and help take care of some things around the house to give spouses or wives that opportunity to be able to have some more scheduled margin for themselves so you can use your scheduled margin to bless someone else in your own family that you love the most and it's not hard to answer the question is it wise 
As a matter of fact, you can bless them, and if you have enough financial margin, you can hire someone to do some of that work at home. That's not wrong. That's not a wrong thing. Every mom should be saying, thanks, Pastor. Really appreciate that little plug today to help us, okay? Just Heitman College Fund. That's all you got to remember, okay? That's all right. All right? Here's the secret that I have. This is my secret, and I've tried to share this secret so much, but every first time of my day is spent seeking the Lord. Because when I do that, it is amazing. Even though I keep a busy schedule, I can feel good about that schedule because I know I've sought the Lord first, and he helps me with the rest of the day. I give my first part to the Lord, and he blesses the rest of it. And you can do this. You can do this if you choose. So this week's challenge is a little similar to last week's challenge, except I'm going to tell you, you need to schedule five more minutes. You need to give 10 minutes of margin in your life to seeking the greatest thing you could ever seek, and that's God. The wisest choice you could ever make is to say, I'm going to have intentional time with God, and I refuse to let anything of my schedule change that. The second thing that we give up most is intentional times of rest. I love the verse that you read in the, the, the paraphrase of the message. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think that's so important He didn't say rest for your bodies intentionally. He said for your souls. Because I think so often we may get a few hours sleep and our body gets enough for itself, but our souls are so anxious and so crazy with the normalcy of our culture being pulled off center away from the Lord that our souls are so empty, so messed up. And God wants to give us rest for our soul. It's, it's purposeful that you seek the Lord first, but then you listen to him and take those opportunities of rest. Those of you that are hurting because you're overwhelmed, those of you who are single and you don't feel like you can make it through another day, those who are business owners, you're stressed, those who are financially frazzled, Jesus says, come to me, come to me. Find that rhythm, find that rhythm of God's rest. Most of us feel like we cannot even afford to take a day of rest. God said in the Old Testament that for six years you were supposed to work the land and the seventh year you were not supposed to work the land. In other words, the farmers would work six years and the seventh year they'd take the entire year off because the blessing of the Lord was going to be so strong on the six years, you would have the blessing of the Lord to, to rest in the seventh year, and it would rest the land. Put that in modern day. What business would say, we'll do that? It's not going to happen, is it? You know why? Because we don't trust the Lord. We don't trust the Lord. You need a day each week. If God designed it this way, we should follow that way that we rest. Let God realign us in that day of rest. God help us. 
This, this series has challenged me because it's challenged me not, not to surrender to our culture, but to do the things of God, do the things that God have told us to do in Scripture and make it a priority so we enjoy the best that God has in store for us. I want you just to bow your heads right now. As I close in prayer, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because I believe there's people that this is identifying with. I believe there's probably individuals in every family unit that feels this. God, I ask that the truth of your word would now penetrate our hearts. That we would do what the scripture says and that we would be very careful and that we would show wisdom. We would be wise, not foolish. Because we recognize that the day is evil and we want to make the most of our schedules, of our days, of our hours that are numbered. Let us not be like the rest of the world. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. How many of you would say, yes, Pastor, I am a follower of Jesus. I love Christ with all my heart. But I have to confess, I do not have an intimate time with God on a regular basis in my life. I want you to raise your hand and confess that to the Lord today. Yes, yes. Come on. You do not have a regular intimate time with the Lord where you're going to the Lord and he's renewing your heart every day. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God on a regular basis, but you say, I love God with all my heart. You can put your hands down. How many of you would be like me and say, Pastor, I just feel so busy sometimes that I find it difficult to rest. And then when I do find a little bit of rest, I feel guilty about it. How many would raise your hands to that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Put your hands down. Jesus, forgive me as the pastor of this church because ultimately I feel responsible, almost ashamed that there's still people under the teaching of your word through me, God, that still struggle with saying I must have this time with God every day of my life. I pray that they would feel the weight of the neglect of the greatest thing they could have. In this moment, may they feel that, that they are missing out on the greatest thing that could change their life. And please, Lord, not with condemnation, but with conviction, may they feel that weight to say, God, with your help, this is going to change and I'm not going to be normal like this world anymore. And I will commit my life to seeking you first. And then all the other things, I'm going to trust you to add to my life. And Lord, for those of us that do not get the appropriate rest, 
for our souls and for our bodies. May right now, may right now, I pray, God, that you will help them feel conviction. Conviction. Not that you hate them, not that you're going to discard them, but they feel this intensely to the point that they say, I will change. That we would repent of time not with God and time not with rest that you have demonstrated by your own example in creation, but also throughout your word that we are to rest. God, there are people right now that are so overwhelmed that they feel totally empty. And I pray in this closing moment, you would just give us a moment that you would breathe onto us. Breathe your spirit into us as we're still and know that you are God. Breathe in us, O oh God. Breathe in us, O oh God. We come to you, Jesus. We seek you first. All of us that are weary and burdened, give us rest for our souls this morning, God. it may seem and not so normal I just feel encouraged to take a big deep breath right now just take a deep breath thank you Jesus would you just begin to worship the Lord just from your seats come on let the Lord fill you fresh and anew right now come on just worship the Lord in your own way come on Jesus we thank you Thank you, God, that you're our great provider of rest for our souls. God, we lay these burdens down, God. We lay the heaviness of the silliness and foolishness of this world at the feet of Jesus. Bring rest to our souls, God. You just take a second longer and just pray in the spirit if you feel comfortable doing that. Just quietly at your seat, just worship the Lord a moment longer. Thank you, God. Father, we give this day to you. Teach us to take deep breaths. Teach us to seek first your kingdom. Teach us to be very careful and be wise. 
May we enjoy your presence and the rest for our souls. I pray your blessings on your people today. In your great name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. As you're still- this concludes the teaching. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc.